through the whole process, I didn't quite get my VAT forecasting right. Mm. And a £40,000 VAT bill dropped on my mat about six months in, I think it was, a few months into it. My eldest daughter, who is now 18, was one at the time. And we lived above the pub. So it was, you know, it was the house, it was my family. It's like, we can't afford this. From Swoop, it's Take the Plunge, a podcast about how business owners decided to stop what they were doing and took the plunge to start their own business. We take a look at how they came to that decision and what those first crucial steps were in getting their business up and running. My name is Kieran, and I'll be your host for this episode. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by our next guest, Hannah Dawson, CEO and founder of Futurely. Futurely is the only all-in-one forecasting reporting tool for small businesses and, the, and accountants. With over 60,000 businesses and 1,500 advisors supported in over 130 countries, Futurely is on a mission to move the needle on the small business economy. Their mission is to give every business the opportunity to make it by taking control of their financial future and making the right decisions using their education, tools and products. You're very, very welcome, Hannah. How are you doing today? Good. How are you, Kieran? Yeah, very good. Um, good. It's Friday. Restaurants and bars are open. It's a, it's a, it's a good day. It's, life's getting better. It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I can, if I can take you back beyond the COVID mist uh, to the very beginning of uh, Futurely, so to speak, can you mm-hmm. let me know kind of what you were doing before Futurely and, and kind of why did you decide to to, to set the business up? Sure. Um, I think Futurely was probably set up um, for, for quite a dramatic reason, um, but, but I'll take you back. So my background was hospitality. Uh, I fell into it after university, managed restaurants and so on in Glasgow. And then um, in 2003, decided to buy a pub in the middle of nowhere in Devon. Wow. Um, so it had been in my, in my family for over 100 years. But the very long story short is that whilst I'd run restaurants before, the actual business side of things, there was always a head office, right? And, mm. um, you know, things like VAT returns and tax, you know, all of that fun jazz. Well, you don't, you don't do that when you're the manager, you know, it's the, mm. or the payroll function, NICs, all that fun stuff. So whilst I was really hot on all of the operational side of things, the full, you know, financial, uh, three, you know, profit and loss balance sheets, cash flow, all of that piece mm. was, you know, something that I, I you know, I, I learned about it was dial-up back then you know I am old um and (laughs) so I used to go to the library and I used to uh you know get get books and read about you know double entry accounting I'm like oh my god what is this and then my accountant back in the day sold me a copy of Sage 50 desktop because that's what they used to do um and then I saw him a year a year later you know because again that's what used to happen um and in that year, uh, I, you know, I did a million spreadsheets. I was, you know, month end would happen and you'd have invoices like this because, of course, in a pub <laughs> restaurant, you're generating so much stuff every day yeah. and I'm running at a six to eight week time lag. But through the whole process, I didn't quite get my VAT forecasting right. Mm. And a £40,000 VAT bill dropped on my mat oh, no. about six months and I think it was a few months into it. My eldest daughter, who is now 18, was one at the time. And we lived above the pub. So it was, you know, it was the house, it was my family. It's like, we can't afford this. Now, my family right. amazingly bailed us out. 
but yeah. that was you know not not everyone gets to be in that no. position and the fear that i experienced that day and you know until the problem was solved they have been paid back by the way um that <laughs> uh, definitely has happened um that i i genuinely it was one of those things i like, i will never feel like this again i made mm. a promise to myself i mm. will never feel like this again so I really ramped up my learning. I learned about management accounts. I really got, you know, I I, I wanted to understand what I'd done mm. wrong. Now, that's quite an extreme reaction. Not not every business owner wants to do that. I'm also really comfortable with numbers. Not every business yeah. owner is comfortable with numbers. Mm. Um, but there's no, you know, driving test for setting up a business. You know, when mm. my eldest was learning to drive, she's got to do a theory test, she's got to do practical. Don't need to do any of that. You can just register a business and off you go. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest problems that we actually, we all together as, you know, software vendors and, you know, trying to help small businesses, that leveling up and just taking away fear and giving people the skill set to go, I know what to look for. I know what questions to ask myself. I know what questions to ask my accountant, you know, and not feeling stupid. Because mm. also I felt totally stupid in my first ever meeting with my accountant because my business didn't even look like my business when I was asked to sign uh, my year end accounts. You know, the first time you have to sign yeah. your year end accounts. Yeah. And it's gone through, I know now, tax preparation software like Iris or CCA. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and and so the whole chart of accounts looks different, and you're like, okay, and then mm. then they say, right, you sign it, and I'm like, okay, you prepared that. It doesn't look like my business <laughs> and my chart of accounts. You sign it, you know, and just and I think that just sets the tone with so many yeah. small businesses and their accountants going forward. They're like, well, okay, I can't, well, I don't know what yeah. to do. Fine, I'll just. Yeah. Oh. You know. yeah. So anyway, long, that was a very long winded way to get to why Futurely was founded. Um, mm -hmm. My first foray was, uh, after I sold my pub was in, I was going to be a hospitality advisor, did some AAT qualifications because I, I am a nerd and I do love a spreadsheet um, <laughs> and very quickly realized that the problem that I had back in the day with that VAT problem and not understanding the future and not understanding the dis how the decisions I was making today impacted my future potentially mm. and how how many different futures I could have you know if yeah, I do this yeah, yeah. instead of something else that that wasn't limited to hospitality yeah that's a problem that every small business has and the majority of small businesses sadly because they don't have that great relationship with a trusted advisor or there isn't that theory mm. test or whatever they you know they don't know that there's a different way they don't they don't know that they can make yeah. safer decisions within the realms of their financial, you know, future. Yeah. Um, and test things out. So that's my, yeah. that's my mission. I, you know, I, we're I, sorry. Go on. Yeah. No. 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 I was, uh, thanks so much for for kind of going into it. Um, I suppose like that was a pretty big journey in its own right in terms of <laughs> going from I have a pub, yeah. um, now Indeed. I have a giant bill, and I'm now uh, learning all about kind of forecasting VAT. And I suppose at what point during kind of uh, that nerding up, so to speak, did you kind of realize uh, there's a business here and um, I'm going to go for it and this is what I need to do to, to get operational? Um, to jump to becoming futurely, yeah. futurely, yeah. So it would be I, I, we had a, I had a first foray into hospitality software because I wanted yeah. to, I wanted to get that that you know operational live impactful you know live yeah. data thing sorted. It was dreadful, awful piece of software. Yeah. Um, we did sell it. Uh, we did have Tesco's as a customer when we sold it. I don't That's quite know how good. we managed to do that. Yeah. But yeah. 
Um, but it was through that process that it was like, hold on, this this is this is a greater issue. Yeah. So I think I, I learned a lot of how not to do things in the first one, mm. um, the first software company. Just, you know, I think I think with hospitality, for instance, you know, you start off as a waitress. I then got promoted and all of it, you know, and so you learn the job as you go through mm-hmm. and you kind of learn to do other people's jobs as well as, if not better than them, you know, and that's where I was when I certainly when I, I, I sold my pub. Going into software was a baptism of fire, right? I've mm. not written a line of code in my life. I d- hadn't designed at that point, you know, and it was it's, it's been a really steep learning curve. Mm. And crikey, there's been some massive mistakes along the way, but yeah. And uh, I suppose it, in terms of that, like going into something so daunting like software or writing code when you have zero background in it, mm-hmm. how do you how do you find a way through it um, where there's some kind of crucial people that, that helped you yeah. at the beginning? Um, how did you do it? So um, I needed to prove to myself that the idea would work in the first place. So I created this Megalodon spreadsheet, which basically <laughs> was was the software to prove yeah, that it would work. Yeah. And then found a business in Brighton that had 50 sites um, to test it on you know, a handful of them just to see if it would really improve their reporting mm. and the, mm. the, their ability to make decisions faster in the life cycle. Um, which it did. So that was the spur on for the first one. I then found I didn't have any engineer. It was, it was completely outsourced to, like, you know, it was a UK company, but, you know, I had to really, again, I'm a big, you know, I did, I did my master's in English, so I'm a, a reader. So I would yeah. do like, you know, how, how to manage uh, software development, you know, <laughs> what is the waterfall method? What's agile, you know, and just yeah. got myself in the weeds. But I, I suppose the, the big, you know, step up was actually working alongside a company in Brighton called Dabapps, who were absolutely brilliant. So when we set yeah. up um, Futurely to begin with, I didn't, I didn't have any, I'd actually, I'd got two engineers from the, from the other product um, who were straight out of university. Um, and then Chris at Dabapps just, he kind of mentored me and helped me right. understand what the right processes were and all of that. But we were, you know, that's just the technical side of things. I guess on the other side, you've got funding and how you, well, mm. how do you fund this thing? Um, so we had some money from, well, exactly. We had some money from the sale of the other one, but we, you know, friends and family, angel investment um, kicked us off and we were basically bootstrapped until we hit profitability in 2018. And then um, that's when we did our series A raise. Amazing. Talk to me about, okay, you talked about getting that first customer in Brighton Mm. and getting the 50 sites. Was it hard getting them? And were you like nervous seeing, like this is going to make or break? Are they... am I going to get any kind of results yeah. here? Yeah. I, well, I'd, I'd worked for three months just myself on this thing um, and testing it and iterating it and then working on it. So, you know, I guess a lot of that process, you know, it's still product development, isn't it? You yeah. Know, getting absolutely. that iterative feedback. So it was, you know, it was a, a friendly introduction. Oh, I know someone who can, you know, and it was one of those, you know, serendipity hits. And it, it's, I think, so much, you make your own luck in life, I think. But yeah. You know, if you have friends, family, bloody ask, you know, ask them, do you know anyone? Get out there. I mean, social media yeah. wasn't as prevalent as it was now, but 
you know, I, I think I think it was back. I think it was Friends Reunited back then <laughs> that we were using. God, I'm really showing my age. Um, but it was it was really important for me to understand what the demographic was, what the business was. Um, I had to do that with a pub. Like we got we had a half a million pounds worth uh, commercial loan to buy the buy the pub, um, backed by my parents. You know, that guaranteed their house on the back of it. But we. we you know, I had uh, a thick business plan and I'd done mm. a lot of research on it because that process in itself answered some of my own questions and stopped me going down paths that would have actually ended up in disaster. You know, we'd, mm. the, the pub was doing 175K when we bought it and it was doing just under a million when I sold it. So, in, you know, it we, mm. you know, we really did make it, it work. Um, but without going through this, the steps and the hoops, and this is what I come back to with that leveling up piece of, right, who's your demographic? What do the competition look like? What are you going to sell it for? What's your USP? Mm. You know, is it, are you selling it to everybody or is it a small niche yeah. thing? How are you going to do that? You have to ask yourself these questions constantly, mm. in fact, mm. it never stops, you know, and it's, it doesn't stop now, you know, with yeah. the new product development we've got. Yeah. Taking it kind of further from obviously you've you've got it out there, you've got a bit of traction, then okay, you've you've now got to bring people into the business. It's it's been you building, as you say, a megalithon uh, spreadsheet. How do you take it from you to, to, to many? What was that what was that process like and, and who were the people you brought in at the start? Sure sure. It's been well, it's been there's been ups and downs there and I think mm. that's one thing. When you're I think when you're a founder you think that every problem that you face is the first time anyone's ever faced that problem, which of course is not is not true. Um, uh, but the first the first hiring was you know an interview where I was just basically faking it till I make it um, with my student employees. Yeah, oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> this, this is what we've got. It's got a software company, blah blah. But <laughs> but I mean, actually, we said goodbye to one engineer yesterday, Steve. We've been with us for six years, and he in his his goodbye message was like remembering him there in a suit and tie with his interview with me and I, Chris, who I referenced earlier, just helping me. I think you need if you don't no ask for help don't yeah. suffer in silence it can be really lonely running a business and it doesn't necessarily need to be um mm. people people like to help you know so i yeah. i got chris chris to help me with the interviewing and then as we scaled you know we've uh, you know had talent acquisition in-house and people managers and chief people and you know I would I would very much advise on scaling slowly on the people yeah. front you know it's generally one of your biggest expenses if not the biggest expense and certainly in software you know you can you can burn through that capital like what clay (laughs) um so so we've made we've made the decision we've been really r&d heavy at futurely for because we've been doing new product development with predict Mm. which is kind of this next generation in forecasting technology that we've been building for probably a year too longer than we should have been, um, but to, to, to have a greater end result. And so we've, I've made the decision with my chief team that you know, the best thing for us to do to be fiscally responsible is to you know, rebalance the team. So we need to, we're growing the sales team now, the engineering team's kind of, it's being rebalanced. And and so you you may well go through cycles. There's, you know, whatever your business um, industry, whatever your industry is, where, you know, you do need to make some tough decisions and some people will need to go, but you'll then rehire another. And that's never mm. nice. Yeah. Um, it's nice when you're hiring. 
Uh, just had you know my 7am start with uh, my two new starters in Australia this morning so you know nice. that you know it's it's good so I'm, it's I'm all very good, but I was like I'm very appreciative of this the the time difference going back for Australia makes those morning calls a oh, little bit more yeah. easier it does but yes without question um otherwise it's late nights which are just yeah. but yeah just I think the people side of things is probably the steepest learning curve it was, so it was well it was for me um and but also learning how do you scale then that next level of management mm. so that you're not in the weeds all the time how um, do you do that you know well god learning every day still i mean i'm really lucky that my i've got helen and doug helen my cro and doug my cto who they basically manage everybody else and I, I theoretically manage them, but I don't, they probably manage me. Um, so luckily for everybody else in the business, I'm not their line manager. I'm not going to go into that, uh, but you know, you've got, you've got, you've got directive management and you've got supportive yep. management and you know, where do you sit and learning, you know, that man management piece of, you know, some people respond to, you know, honey and some people need a mm -hmm. stick and it's, it's relentless. Um, yeah. but, I think making sure that you've got that as a company you agree and not in a pithy way but you just agree some core values that you want the business to stand for and yeah. how and agree with your employees how they want to be managed too. Yeah. You know it shouldn't be top down. You know I've learned when we when you know we had 95 employees at one point and you know we had this middle this next layer down of management and then team leads below that. And, you know, as a founder, you always need to be able to look through the lenses of every single mm -hmm. layer and the other lenses need to be able to look up to you because uh, I think one lesson I have learned, which I wish I'd known, is that very often that sub, that, that first like VP layer or, you know, your next layer down, well, they want to get up to where you are. And, you know, and there, there might be, you know, there might be a prism that the message from the top goes through and slightly comes out in a different, a, li a different way. So it's just understanding that um, communication needs to be really transparent mm. so that every stakeholder within the business knows the message, what, what message is, you know, why there's a message and what, mm. where it's coming from. And mm. it's not been interpreted in a different way sorry yeah and i suppose just on the communication side of things but as opposed to internally looking outside your product is is, is aimed primarily at small businesses and, and, mm -hmm. and accountants which uh by nature can be sometimes hard to get en masse uh mm -hmm. by by their nature small businesses owners tend to be incredibly busy they they're, they're highly suspicious they're they're, they're tough <laughs> they're tough to customers to sell too i would say so mm -hmm. uh, how have you gone about doing that over the last six years and kind of what are some of the kind of tactics you've, you've used along the way? Our primary channel is th through accountants today. We are, you know, the, the big plan for the business is to try and balance that out so that we mm. actually, you know, that we've got, I mean, about 40% of our, 45% of our um, subscriptions are actually from small businesses direct, but that represents a far uh, lesser um, proportion of revenue because accountants is a one uh, one to many sell typically. Um, so how do we do it? Well, I'm I think small business. It's not a B two B sell. It's a B two C sell. Mm -hmm. We're actually selling to a consumer, and um, the reason that we focus on the accounting channel and we continue to do so this year primarily is is because we know them. We you know we already have an asset of those customers. Um, but the the big the big plan is to I think 
with any B2C sell, your brand needs to be recognized. You're probably going to need to do out of home advertising. Your digital needs to be um, on point. You know, there's it's a you know, if you look at zero, for instance, there's a the, the, it's a it's an engine. You have to have mm. a, a bloody good marketing engine, um, referral schemes, all of those things. And it's a very different product market fit, go to market. Yeah. And and you, you know, you need to be able to waste money you need to have enough money to spend on it to yeah. waste before you find your secret sauce for your unit economics i suppose just on that um kind of i'm always curious on this point like how daunting is that for you as a business owner uh to basically as you say you have to spend particularly if it's a b2c play mm-hmm. a great whack load of cash yeah on, on and how do you how do you feel going through that is it, is it a daunting process yeah well it, it is it is and we did a you know we had a foray last year and it was actually do you know what we just needed predicted just come out it was you know let's get the product market fit right for our accountants first with them mm-hmm. and then predict plus which is the you know accountant overlays has happened off the back of that which has been brilliant i think i think particularly in SaaS, what you can you know speaking to our our board and and so on and other ceo networks if you can work out your unit economics on a predictable repeatable basis doesn't need you know you need to have enough time to 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 experiment on it it's it's really that time um, band you know you might have a five grand budget and on that five grand budget you're going to do these tests but it's going to be a six month test over those Mm -hmm. you know per month so you're you know you've Mm -hmm. attributed 30k but the point is you need to know if i spend a pound i get this back and i know i Mm -hmm. get it back Mm-hmm. Well, then you can start pouring money into it. Then you go for another raise. Then you can go and you know people will give you money at that point. That's yep. you know it's the it's the the taking it's understanding. Uh, yes, we have got enough of a cash buffer now to put aside, uh, you know, fifty grand, a hundred grand, two hundred grand on this. Yeah. Um. I, th- I think there's also interesting learnings from people like I, I Zettel, mm-hmm. and I know that they whenever they launched into new markets, they always focused on the capital city and did out of home they did a full a fully broad ranged um attack on the capital city first and it's built out from there mm-hmm. um which which is quite an interesting one so i think you know when we do it brighton's got we're in brighton brighton's yeah. got 16 16 000 small businesses you know let's let's take on brighton and, and yeah. get them get them get them future lead up just talking again into that kind of growth path um you've mm-hmm. obviously six years on scaled quite a bit like what have been some of the challenges you faced in scaling the business um scaling too quickly headcount yeah. scaling too quickly for sure um when you know as a as a leader i probably wasn't mature enough at the time you know and that's harsh to admit but it's true you know i think that you know your your gut instinct you know the risk that you'll take as an entrepreneur your optimism that you have because why would you put your family through it otherwise self-reflection is something that i've become quite good at now i will give myself a, some praise and say i'm you know it's i think you're you know when you're younger you're, you can be quite bullish and i know mm. best and i would much rather seek help and get counsel and um, try and find people who have walked the path in my specific use case before me. Uh, you know, there's lots of different software companies. We're not enterprise SaaS. You know, we don't have annual contracts like, you know, we're not selling 200,000 
dollar contracts for two years. So the advice that a CEO of that type of business can give me versus someone who's actually done a B2C play really successfully with small, but you know, is, do you know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. just finding, yeah. finding the right counsel. Um, but yeah, I think probably the most difficult thing has been scale, scaling and managing and, and managing cash flow. Like it's, mm. Yeah, you know, we have a we have a cash flow app, but you know it's it's the challenge. It's making yeah. sure your the timing is right for the right decisions. Like, how have you found that? Like, because obviously you, you've taken on external finance along the way. You've, mm-hmm. you've you've had successful raises, but like, how do you know? I suppose is a gut feel. Okay, we need to get a certain amount of cash in now to, to accelerate on this growth, or kind of how how do you manage that process? So, um, we're next month we'll be at operational break even. So hey. from a financial perspective. Hey, which is great, that's, which gives us time. Awesome. Well, you know, we've made some tough decisions, you know, through it yeah. and we've, you know, reduced headcount in some areas. Like I say, we're scaling it in others now. So mm. it's, it'll be back up before we know it. But um it I just I think certainly in our in our sector, I think you'll probably agree, Kieran, that the pressure to grow, 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 go, 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 this this hockey stick has to be there. Yeah. And most businesses don't don't hockey stick. You know, they're, they're called unicorns for reasons, you know. Yeah. You know, national yeah. national animal of Scotland, by the way, unicorns. <laughs> yeah. Um it's true that. Uh, <laughs> and um we've made the decision to go right. We have to take you know, so we we've not got any cash burn issues now you know we're self-funded which means that we can take our time a bit more to to go right we're going to nail this channel first we're then going to use that to fund the experimentation in the other channel at that point once we've got our unit economics right on the direct and certainly on the accounting side we we Mm. go and we raise again you know it's that i just think the being fiscally responsible yep for your business because ultimately every small business and we're still a small business you know we're not in you know we're in the grand scheme of things we are it's there's a fam there are families behind this you know mm-hmm. you're not doing it for you know chits and giggles you're doing yeah. it because you believed in something you had a purpose but ultimately you personally you want to support your family you want them to have a nice life you probably want to go on some decent holidays you might want to retire a bit earlier you know there's there's, there's, you know, physical, physical and emotional impact in everything that you're doing. So taking the pressure off yourself, if you can, mm-hmm. to breathe, think, get counsel, make sure that you're in a strong financial position. And the only way you know that you can do that is by making decisions within the realms of your financial forecast. There's no other way of doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're, I'm sure you're not running your, you know, swoop on gut instinct, are you? Um, yeah, I hope, I hope so. No. No, yeah, no, lots of answers there. Well, no, a lot of sage advice, uh, right there. Uh, Reflecting back then a little bit on on the six years, uh, yes, there's been challenges, but I imagine there's been some pretty good moments and some some nice highs. So, like, what what sticks out for you in terms of those? those Well, I mean, Christmas parties are always quite good fun. Um, (laughs) Dangerous, you know, the recordings of the karaoke. Yes, I am that person. Oh, god, look, we've had loads. I mean, I think you know, products, product releases. You know, we launched we launched Futurely by what was called Crunchboards back in the day. We launched it in Australia at ZeroCon in Sydney after nine months of development. Um, you know, I'd it was it was the the flight that I booked was a Malaysia Air flight uh, af, two weeks after, after the, the crash. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. Bro. It was cheap. 
very cheap. Yeah, I got And we had no money. We had no money yeah. at all. And so, you know, we went went out. Never been to Australia before in my life. Asked Michael Wood at Receipt Bank. I'd, I'd reached out to him, you know, just because he's he's also from Aberdeen. I'm like, right, you went to Robert Gordon's school yeah. just down the road from me, so you can give me some advice. Yeah. Um, and I just completely idiotic. And then launched in Australia in our first year. Like, what? what are you doing you know mental <laughs> but brilliant at the same time um obviously getting the raise was amazing meeting meeting some incredible ceos through my vc the, the vc network yeah. now has been yeah. brilliant awesome. um launching predict has been fab like fab and i'm so excited about the prediction technology we've built mm -hmm. and how it genuinely can impact mass yeah. small businesses who don't need to know about you know journals and double entry <laughs> posting because it just makes all things their whole business you know nailed so yeah there's been some there's been some really good stuff and you know what every day i get to work with my best friend helen so that's yeah. also that's, a joy that's awesome. well i can't think of a better way to finish it off there uh hannah and obviously doing podcasts with you Kira, oh yeah you know. of, course, of course and and webinars Eight, with andrea i mean frankly <laughs> yeah. those are well, you, you know, two are a dream team on that <laughs> jesus i've never seen the numbers you guys get in it's like it's, it's, it's like the ant and deck of the accountancy <laughs> industry we need to make sure we're always sat on the right side oh, you know we've still not actually oh. met each other in person I, yet because of bloody oh, lockdown i know it's oh, ridiculous madness oh uh, yeah it just there, yeah, there shall be get, wine you, drunk <laughs> yeah no doubt margarita as well and is involved <laughs> okay good to know um yeah um, well, yeah, as I said, thanks so much, Anna. Um, it's been so lovely just to kind of hear the story and just you've given so much good advice and uh, obviously wishing all the best for Futurely and Predict uh, going forward. Um, and yeah, thanks so much. And Kieran, thank you.